Hey, hey, what is going on, y'all? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Uh, today, I got a lot of sports to go over. Today, it's just going to be a sports day. I have some uh, World Series uh, updates to talk about. I'm going to talk about last night's game and kind of preview tonight uh, and then uh, tonight's game seven. Uh, I also got some college football to talk about as well. We have some news in the top 25, mostly uh, within the top three or four i believe uh we also have uh the complete top 25 as well and as far as the nfl is concerned of course i have my top eight power rankings for this week i skipped out on last week but i have them for week eight i'm going to get into that and then i believe i have some news to go over as well and then uh, i'll be going over last night's hoop scores uh as well around the league and then uh we have some news to talk about uh in the nba as well but let's get right into it of course we're gonna start off with the world series game six uh was a doozy if you're a Houston Astros fan. Uh, if you're a Houston Astro fan, uh, of course the series is now tied seven, seven, uh, sorry three to three with a seven to two win by the Nationals. I was surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised. I figured this one would go. I, I honestly, I had a series going six at one point uh, when the Nationals went up. I believe it was two zero, and uh, I, and then out of nowhere. Uh, the, the Astros storm back and take three, uh, including game five with Donald Trump getting booed, so on and so forth. So, uh, again, Houston did have all the momentum coming in. But, again, the Nationals are a very, very good team. They have one of the most underrated pitchers in all of baseball. And Steven Strasburg went eight innings, gave up five hits, but only two earned runs. He also had seven strikeouts. Again, he is the most uh, in my in my humble opinion, with what I've seen over the past few years from him, and just over the course of his career, especially now in these playoffs, uh, he's always had pretty good numbers but for whatever reason uh he uh fell out of the limelight maybe because of some playoff breakdowns that i can't remember in the past or something like that and uh the nationals have been a team to break down in the earlier stages of the playoffs in their past so that might have uh went hand in hand with that i'm i can't say for certain but again, especially this year, Steven Strasburg has just go, gone so under the radar. And again, he just keeps up, keeps putting up gems of performances. And he's going against the best, uh, the best pitchers that the Houston Astros do have to offer. Uh, but as far as the Nationals are concerned, he also got help from third baseman Anthony Rendon, who had a two-run homer and had three, uh, uh, two hits, other hits outside of that as well, bringing in five RBIs. And also Juan Soto, the left fielder, and right, and also the right fielder Adam Eden will drive in uh, RBIs. RBIs as well. As far as the Astros are concerned, uh, they did get a two uh, two hits in an RBI from their third baseman Alex Bregman, and uh, Jose Altuve was able to get a sacrifice fly, which turned into an RBI. So again, only two runs from them. Uh, I'm not too sure what Game Seven brings. Apparently, uh, Max Serger is going to be the starter in this game, so that I think will definitely uh, be a factor in the the Nationals' favor. But again. Uh, both of these teams can hit very well. Uh, obviously, even uh, with what St uh, Steven Strasburg was able to do, he still uh, gave up a run to the best play to two of the better hitters of the Astros, and that being Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve. So again, they were still able to drive runs. Of course, there were only two runs uh, for the Astros, but again, it was again it was their best player to do so. So they're going to still be a factor in Game Seven. Um, and, you know, it all depends on, well, and again, uh, the Astros have a, a solid pitching rotation as well. You're either going to get, uh, at this point, I think maybe Verlander 
or maybe uh, Grinky, possibly. I believe uh, Garrett Cole went at it last night, so he, he'll be out. But again, they do have deep uh, pitching uh, staff, so I'm not too sure who you're going to see starting uh, for the Astros uh, necessarily. But again, even with their bullpens, their bullpens are solid. That's where you have Doolittle uh, for the uh, for the Nationals, and then you have the closer, Ozuna, as as uh, tragic or, or the word here as a controversial figure he is he's a solid closer so again uh, they do have x factors here uh, in basically all sides of the ball if we're talking about even talk, if you're talking about hitting the nationals uh, can get a big game from uh, even either ryan zimmerman or uh, even howie kendrick one of those guys can come in clutch of course you you already got anthony rendon who's been solid the entire series and juan soto who's been getting things done the entire series and actually adam eat him eat him uh from what it's worth he did miss a big defensive play i believe it was a, a game one he had a catch that he could have got all the way i believe it was at the warning track or something like that but uh he in terms of his offense he's putting in some uh rbis and, and adding some runs to that so uh, he's been helping out the nationals too so both of these teams have really deep squads so uh, it'll come down i believe in this one it's going to come down to maybe extra innings definitely going to go the full nine uh it's going to be competitive i, I would again i would not be surprised if it goes uh past nine innings all right y'all i'm gonna take a quick break and when i come back i'll be breaking down some college football i'm gonna be going over the top 25 and uh some news at least from the top four uh, in terms of the playoff rankings so i'll be right back y'all all right y'all i am back and officially it is the week we are going into week nine of the college football season, and we do have a new number one. And of course, for those of you who do not know, it is LSU. Uh, they recently have a 23 to 20 win versus number the now number 11 Auburn on Saturday, which was their third over a top 10 team. Uh, like I said, the Tigers ended up jumping uh, jumping over Bama to be the number one in the AP top 25 poll. Uh, now. Uh, Burrow, uh, quarterback Joe Burrow had another great game, adding to his Heisman, uh, potential Heisman candidacy, uh, going 32 of 42 for 321 yards. He also threw for a touchdown, but he did have an interception. On the ground, they were led by Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who had 136 rushing yards and also a touchdown. And on defense, uh, Derek Stingley Jr. had four total tackles and an interception. Now, for Alabama, they dropped to number two despite basically obliterating Arkansas 48 to 7 with Tua out with an ankle injury. And I believe uh, the reason, I, well, I believe the, the reason uh, LSU jumps is, of course, it was their third victory over a top 10 team. Uh, and, you know, again, uh, despite the margin of victory, again, at the well, as of now, Auburn is still number 11 in the nation. And as far as Arkansas is concerned, yeah, Alabama blew them out 48 to 7, but Arkansas isn't ranked and I believe has a losing record. So uh, I kind of get it, you know, but uh, it's just, it's just, I mean, in, in all reality, uh, in some, it's, I, I know you might hear this a lot or you may not hear this a lot. But I will always say that there is some SEC bias. Uh, I'm not too sure uh, if I uh, would consider uh, Auburn to be in the top 10 at the losses that they had earlier, at the one of the losses that they had earlier in the season. So that's just kind of how I feel. I feel a lot of these SEC teams are kind of overly ranked. So when a team like Alabama or LSU plays them, uh, it 
it's it's always super elevated. I don't think the SEC outside of the top two teams any given year is that good. It's very top heavy. It's always been top heavy, but they they for whatever reason they tend to get a lot of love from the voters and from the coaches' polls and all that stuff, and they get favored in the college football playoffs. But in all reality, uh, teams like Arkansas are trash. Missouri is trash. Texas A&M is trash. Kentucky at this point uh, this year is trash. They helped, they were okay last year. As far as Georgia goes, uh, they're not trash, but let's be honest here. They're not going to win the conference this year. And they and they usually are always given some type of hype, and they never come through. Uh, as far as Florida goes, same thing. They're given some type of hype every year, and they don't come through. They're not going to win the conference. and uh, But they're going to be ranked very high. So when they play somebody in the SEC, the top teams in the SEC, like I said, whether it be Alabama any given year, maybe Auburn, or uh, LSU, because those are the only two, three teams that are consistently great coming out of the SEC. And even got a, he even got a, a gym in the NFL now saying that Auburn will be a better team if the offense didn't suck. So there you go. So, uh, you know, the SEC just gets a lot of hype, in my opinion. Uh, I definitely uh, I do like the movement throughout the uh, rest of the top four. You have uh, Oregon, uh, not the top four, but at least the top ten. You have Oregon moving up to number seven. Uh, he had to get a, well, I would, yes, definitely a come from behind win against Washington State at home of course uh, a lot can be a lot of people would say a, a lot of negative about that but I think it was a positive uh, coming out on top against a team that's beaten us four years in a row uh, was looking to do so five years in a row and had that win in, in hand and uh, there was a lot of weak officiating in that game terrible officiating in that game uh, for one so I definitely like that moving into top 10 uh, as far as LSU and Alabama are concerned they will be meeting uh, they will be actually uh, facing off November the 9th, and they're taking this week, uh, I believe it was uh, week 10 off. And then Ohio State, uh, they do move to number three after blowing out Wisconsin at home. Uh, Wisconsin, again, uh, was a ranked team. I believe that they were they were kind of ranked justly uh, in the last couple of weeks uh, despite their losses. Uh, but again, um, Ohio State blew them out at home. And uh, Clemson, for whatever, for what it's, what it's worth, because for one, I, I tell you one, one team that has not really played a really great schedule, it's been Clemson, and it's kind of, it's coming back to bite them in the butt because they're not really playing against anybody competitive. Their games aren't really going down to the wire, again, and I think. Think teams are, or I guess the outside from the outside looking in, you're not seeing really a whole lot of uh, dynamics, uh, or or I guess different, you know, uh, facets to the team. I guess when you're looking at Oregon, I guess Oregon jumps to number seven from number eleven because again, the game against Washington State was hard. Uh, they did give up a lot of passing yards, but again, that's a Mike Leach offense. They hadn't beaten that team in uh, four years at home or away. Uh, they've given up, you know. So so many th- so many factors there, and again, and Oregon had to win in a, in, a, in a way that's not traditional from what we've seen from them before. Uh, I honestly don't think they win a game like that if they were coached by Chip Kelly or Mark Elfridge. Maybe Mike Bellotti, maybe Rich Brooks. I'm too young to remember that era per se. Uh, Mike Bellotti might have been able to get. I do remember Mike Bellotti though. He might have been able to to get a win like that. Uh, but I, I don't think a lot of the co- coaches that we've had in the, the past have just had that fortitude uh, that Mario Cristobal has. Had. So I think a lot of I think a lot of people uh, 
in terms of voting committees and all that and are probably looking at things like that uh, i think they're looking at teams like number nine utah that i'll get to in just a second uh i'm gonna round out the rest of the top uh 25 uh but like i said clemson stays in the top four uh let's let's go uh let's finish off the rest of the top 25 though at number five we do have penn state who is also at eight and no, they're still undefeated so we have a whole slew here uh one through five uh is un undefeated so it's going to be interesting, uh, but all these get well for Penn State, Ohio State, they're going to play each other. So they're going to get you're going to get a chance to see who's really good out of that conference, who's really good coming out of that conference. As far as Clemson, they're not going to be playing anybody that solid. So they may either drop at some point. They may move up because of losses, because, again, LSU is going to be playing. Uh, I'm sorry, Alabama as well. So the two big, uh, the two big uh, matchups within the top five or within the top four, or have you, uh, is going to be Alabama LSU November 9th and later on this season. It might be. Uh, I'm not too sure the exact date on this one, but again, you're going to have a Big Ten matchup between uh, Ohio State, who's currently number three, and also Penn State, who's number uh, who's number five. So again, those are those are two big matchups there. That'll pretty much uh, solidify who's. I would say who's going to be going to the playoffs uh, at, at that point. You'll have at least two uh, solid participants. Uh, one, and I think those two winners will probably be one and two, just because of the 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 uh, the, the craziness of those matches. Because again, uh, it's looking that LSU is going to be number one and number two. So at least you'll have a number one, and then a, and then as far as um, uh, Ohio State and Penn State is concerned. Remember, Penn, uh, Ohio State is number three, Penn State is number five. So again, you'll at least have your second place team. So you'll have your first top, you'll have your top two with those two games. And then you'll have three and four uh, left wide open. Maybe an Oregon slips in there, uh, especially after Oklahoma loses. They look like they can lose again at some point this season. That's just my opinion. I'm not buying Oklahoma. I never do. They always have a good offense, but again, they don't really have a great defense and it always shows up. I'm not a big fan of theirs. I never really have been. Uh, even when they had Sam Bradford, I could never really say that I was an Oklahoma fan. Uh, yeah, I, I I would almost I would always root for Texas Tech or somebody like that before I would root for uh, Oklahoma. But back to the back to the top 25. At number six, we have uh, Florida. At number seven, now we're gonna have the seven and one teams here, or the the, the one loss teams here. At number uh, like I said, it's number six. You have Florida at seven and one. At number seven, you have Oregon at seven and one as well. At number eight. You have Georgia at six and one. At number nine, you have Utah at uh, seven and one as well. Uh, their last game was a, a win, thirty-five to zero versus Cal. That was their first. Uh, that was their first shutout in conference history. Again, they moved to the Pac-12, I believe, in 2012. So again, it's been a long time coming, but they were able to get their first ever shutout in the conference. Uh, they've outscored their opponents 108 to 10 in their last three games, and we're gonna. The Ducks are gonna have to face off against that team in the conference championship wow just wow they're pretty damn good they're, and i think we might even play each other this season uh i hope not uh <laughs> i'd rather see that game in the conference championship it's, it's too good it's too good of a matchup in my opinion uh they got they also have a uh, lecky Fotu, the pac to defensive alignment uh defensive lineman of the week uh he had a sack a sack and a tackle for loss versus uh cal last week and uh they uh as a whole uh utah was able to hold cal to just 85 yards offensively damn Justin Wilcox is probably gonna get fired. I don't know. 
yeah, that's not a good look, Cal. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. At number 10, you have Oklahoma. They dropped because of that loss to Kansas State. Uh, they are officially 7-1. I think they drop another I think they drop another one. Uh, look out for Bedlam. I think that's a trap game. Oklahoma, do not go into that one cocky. I know the record doesn't say you should be worried, but again, every year is different, and I think this is going to be one of them years that I would not take for granted, especially since you've already lost in a in, in a blow well not in a blowout but in a barn burner type of way you know when you just give up all type of points uh you might score a whole lot but you're I, you're gonna they're gonna give up a whole lot of points this year and they're liable to drop another one that's just my opinion at number 11 you have Auburn here at six and two I think they're a little bit overrated for a six and two team but again they have a lot of in my opinion there's definitely some SEC bias again that is all about maintaining uh Alabama and or LSU's foothold uh within the top within the top uh four again they have to put an sec team here in the ncaa playoff that's that's by ncaa rules that's why i hope they fizzle and fade out so we can actually see good teams actually earn their way to the top that's my that's again popular opinion at number 12 you have baylor who is seven and zero. at number 13 you have minnesota who is eight and zero. at number 14 you have michigan who is six and two at number 15 you have the mustangs out of smu aka southern methodist southern methodist university out there in dallas bang bang eight and oh at number 16 we have notre dame who is six and two and in my opinion um again they lost last week of, uh, 14 to 45 at michigan but hold on hold on Michigan's still weak, and Notre Dame was just weak too. They again over over Dame. Uh, Notre Dame has been overranked, uh, been overhyped, and and they've been that way for a long time. They were trash too. I, look, if you look at their stats, if you look at all that, you, it's not to be. You, you're not even going to be impressed. 30th in scoring offense, 62nd in overall offense, and they're also 63rd in rushing with 168 yards per game not impressive and i'm not surprised they lost to michigan and they're probably gonna lose again because they're not that great uh i i i, I would not be surprised i believe they still have to play stanford i can see that being an l uh there's a couple people on that schedule that could be an l for them i've never taken notre dame seriously under the brian Kerry, kelly era I'm letting it all hang out today. Uh, at number 17, we have Cincinnati at 6-1. Uh, they should be ranked higher than Notre Dame, in my opinion. Boo. Uh, at number 18, we have Wisconsin here. Uh, they are 6-2. They're pretty uh, – I think they – no. Well, they, they lost to number three in the nation. They got blown out. As a Big Ten line, I guess they could stay at number 18. Maybe they should drop a little bit. I, I, I don't know. Because again, you, you got some people here at, at the at the bottom here that that have not been on the rankings at all this year. So I kind of get it. But anyways, at number 19, you have a uh, six and two Iowa. At number 20, you have Appalachian State, who's also undefeated at seven and zero. Oh, they should be ranked higher than Notre Dame. Notre Dame is trash. I'm telling you, Notre Dame is trash. Um, I'm just gonna keep saying it. At number 21, we have Boise State, who is six and one. At number 22, we have Kansas State, off their upset win over Oklahoma. Uh, they are 22. They have they are five and two as well as their overall record. And at 23, we have uh, Wake Forest at six and one. And round out the bottom, we have Memphis at 24, who is seven and one. And we also have San Diego State, who is seven and one as well. Their last game was a win. At UNLV, uh, 
Las Vegas, of course, 20 to 17 was the final score. They won four in a row, and they're 12th in overall defense and third uh, in rushing defense with just uh, 16, well, actually 70 yards again, 70 yards a game allowed. So pretty good on that front. Uh, so I'm gonna take another quick break, and when I come back, I'll be dissecting some NFL. Uh, we have, I think, a couple uh, new stories to talk about, and then I'll be getting into my top eight power rankings. I'll be right back. Yo, what's going on? I'm back. I got some NFL news for you guys. And the Jets and the Giants, they make a deal. This is the first time New York teams have made a trade with each other and involved defensive lineman Leonard Williams. So he will not be moving, technically. He'll just be switching up a uniform. And then, I guess, I don't know how that works in, in that life. Maybe they have separate... Uh, locker rooms or something. I don't know. Uh, maybe just moves down the hall. I don't. I don't know. It's confusing uh, in terms of that stadium. But anyways, he was sent to the Giants uh, from the Jets for a 2020 uh, third round pick and also a 2020 uh, 2021 fifth round pick. Uh, Williams was a number six overall pick in 2015. In seven games this season, he's only had 20 tackles and five quarterback hits and all and also zero, but zero sacks. Uh, but up to 2018. Uh, but up to the year 2018, Williams was was third amongst interior linemen and uh, interior linemen with 43 tackles for loss. He also had 63 uh, quarterback hits and also 122 quarterback carries. So maybe uh, it's just a defensive scheme uh, with the Jets as opposed to just him just kind of falling off a bit. And I think that makes sense because uh, 2018 was not that long ago, um, and that's pretty much I believe when he came to the well no. Um, uh, I think that's when they switched things up for the Jets. I think he's been with the Jets for his entire career. Unless, I, unless I'm mistaken, he might have been drafted out of Cleveland. But if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he's been in in, uh, in New York his entire career. But I think uh, defensively, things did switch up after 2018. If if uh, if, uh, if I'm if I'm correct, that's when they switched out Ty Bowles and they got a new defense, uh, a new a new uh, setup there if, along the defense. So I could see that. I could see that making sense. Uh, I don't know how much different things are going to be with the Giants, uh, but again, hey, you know it, it might it might be a better look for him. Uh, we have another new story to uh, to talk about real quick. Uh, Ken Wisenhunt, the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, has been fired. Uh, he was fired, I believe it was. Tuesday, uh, the Chargers are so yesterday. The Chargers are currently three and five and third in the AFC West. The team is 17th in overall offense, but is 23rd in scoring. Uh, uh, as of now, they are they only average uh, 19 points a game, and they are 28th in rushing with only 70 yards. Uh, uh, 70 yards. Uh, Per game. Now, last week uh, they did end up beating the Bears, uh, but they only scored 17 points. So again, not effective, and that's probably why they're in the position they are now, uh, third in the AFC West and at three and five. Uh, Wisenhunt has already served as the OC in the uh, for for the Chargers back when they were in San Diego back in 2013. Why would you bring him back? Obviously, he wasn't successful then. There was going to be no guarantee 
that he's gonna be successful now. So I don't get that on their on their note. Um, but he is gone, and they're looking for a new one. That's the key to the story here. Uh, we're gonna go through my top eight power rankings real quick. Starting with number eight, I have the Colts here. They are five and two. They have won three in a row. They are 18th in overall offense, and. Uh, I'm sorry, 18th, and I believe this is a rushing offense with 128 yards per game, and Marlon Mack is pretty much leading the way there with 590 rushing yards and also three uh, three touchdowns on the ground. Uh, they are also 12th in pass uh, pass defense, which is 253 yards allowed per game. Uh, next up at number seven, we have the Ravens here, who are five and two. That last game was a 30 to 16 win at Seattle. Uh, they just recently signed Willie Sneed to a one-year $6 million deal this year. He has 15 catches, 223 yards, and also two touchdowns. So a really solid target for Lamar Jackson in his improving passing game. And they do have a big game this week uh, versus New England. Uh, Jason Woodlock is one of the main people that's pushing that Baltimore Ravens upset. I can see that game being close. Uh, I think the, the Ravens are capable of blowing the hinges off at some point offensively and reeling off some points. The question would be if the well, um, the question would be if New England could keep up. If if New England could keep them bottled up, then that game is going to be a lot closer. I just think that the, the the Ravens could become combustible in that game, and they could have a big explosion. It's possible that they do have it, and I don't think New England has an answer. But uh, if they if New England is able to keep them under wraps, I think it's going to be a close game, and and it suits the type of offense that. The Patriots have, which they're not gonna, they're not, they're not suited for a high scoring game. I'll just say, just say it like that. So I got the Ravens here at uh, seven. They're emerging. Uh, they do have a big game this week that'll really reveal some more about them and uh, possibly move them up significantly. At number six, we have the Seahawks here at six and two. They are second in the NFC West. They do have some injury issues here, uh, which is bringing, uh, bringing them down in my opinion. Uh, they're missing offensive lineman Justin Britt, who is out for the season with an ACL injury. They're also missing defensive back Trey Flowers, who's going to be questionable. We also have safety Quandre Diggs, who's questionable as well with a hamstring injury. And also safety Brandon McDougal, who's having back uh, spasm. He is questionable as well. So we don't know what they're looking like this week. They could drop a game this week. Um, personally, I think that's one on the line. Justin Britt, uh, Justin Britt was a huge loss for them along that offensive line. They needed uh, some pass protection for uh, Russell Wilson, and that and then that uh, running game is just so good right now. Uh, to be, it's, it sucks to see a plug uh, losing uh, to, to see them lose one of their plugs uh, in that type of in that realm. But um, the Seahawks, I got the Seahawks here at six and two. Um, they they are in possible they are in some possible flux here. Um, I'll say that at best. At number five, we have the Vikings here at six and at six and two. Excuse me, they won four in a row. Uh, they did they did lose J uh, J Ron Curse, or I don't think he's they lost him. Uh, I don't think he was arrested or anything, but he is in some some legal issues right now. Uh, that might be some drama, but it's definitely a news story. Uh, defensive back J Ron Curse, uh, he was arrested with a D, uh, again there wasn't any charges uh, put on him. I don't think, but again he was arrested for a DWI. And he was carrying a weapon as well. Uh, currently, the Vikings are third in overall offense and third in the uh, third in rushing with 160 yards per game. They are also fifth in overall defense with just 300, 313 yards allowed uh, a game. At number four, I have the Packers here at seven and one. They are first in the NFC North. Of course, they are three and oh. 
versus the division as opposed to the Vikings, who I believe are zero and two in the division, or at least one and two in the division, one of the two. Uh, currently, uh, the Packers are seven and seventh in scoring defense with 20, uh, 27, uh, sorry, uh, seventh in scoring offense with 27 points per game. They're also seventh in passing offense and 13th in overall offense with 374 yards per game. Uh, of course, that running game, a, a lot of people give a lot of praise to that running game. Uh, Adam Jones and also uh, your boy Jamal Williams. It's still, in my opinion, middle of the road. It's ranked 17th, 16th or 17th in terms of the NFL rankings. So, um, it's it's okay i definitely think their defense uh should be getting a lot more praise than that running game though uh with the two smiths Sedarius and preston uh you also have the line uh, the the uh sorry uh the secondary uh with the cornerbacks king and all those guys so i i definitely like their defense a lot more than their running game at number three we have the saints here at seven and one they haven't won six in a row including last week a easy 31 to 9 win uh versus arizona Drew Brees is back, and he's the first quarterback to throw for 75,000 yards. What can you say? Uh, six in a row. They're going to definitely take the NFC South. Uh, and the question is, how far can they go uh, in terms of the playoff in terms of the playoff run at this point? Because uh, they're looking really good to me. Uh, you had Taysom Hill uh, get some action in that game, make some big runs. I believe he scored on the ground, or at least with his or or on the or with his arm. One or the other, he did score. Uh, so again, that offense, you're not stopping it. That defense is coming together as well. Uh, it's underrated. So again, the Saints are a team to look out for at the number three spot. At number two, I have the Patriots here. Uh, again, I, I just like the Niners' victories a little bit better for whatever reason. I mean, they seem to be just more definitive to me. Uh, the Patriots won last week 27-13 versus the Browns. Belichick, of course, got his 300th victory. Uh, rookie uh, wide receiver Nikhil Harry has returned to practice and could be available to play this week versus Baltimore. So that uh, would be interesting to see. They had the second best overall. They had the second over the second rated overall defense with just 234 yards allowed per game, and they are second in pass defense with 175 passing yards allowed. They're also fourth in rushing defense with just 85 yards allowed per game. So uh, it'll be hard to see uh, what what. Well, I, I might be a little bit hard uh, <laughs> looking at these stats right now for Baltimore this weekend. So uh, it'll be it'll be amazing to see what Lamar Jackson can do uh, if they're able to pull off a, a victory. Uh, but I think in order for Baltimore to win, they'll have to score at least thirty points on that defense uh, for them to pull it off. I don't see I don't see uh, uh, New England scoring more thirty or more points. I don't see it happening. Uh, but again, it's hard to it's kind of hard to see. Baltimore now taking another look at those stats of Baltimore getting 30 or more points in that game. Uh, but let's move on to number one. We have the Niners here. Uh, the Niners are currently 7-0. and uh, Of course, they are undefeated. They are uh, first in the NFC in the NFC West. Of course, they blew out uh, Carolina last weekend. This is why I'm pretty much saying I like that win a lot better. I think the Niners are the more complete team as of now than the Patriots. But we'll, I think we'll get to see a lot more 
uh, of the Patriots this Sunday. We'll get to see another side of the Patriots this Sunday versus Baltimore. So that'll be a determining factor for me uh, in terms of my power rankings for next week. Uh, but currently, the Niners have the best overall defense with just 224 yards allowed a game. And they are sixth in overall offense with 386 yards per game. But they are 28th in passing with 20, 215 yards per game. And that mostly has to do with their receivers. That has been their Achilles heel. Uh, I don't think it shows up just yet because again you have George Kittle and they really do have a solid running game that is the most important thing and they do have a defense and you know what they say about defense defense wins you the championships uh the offense is going to get you there though that's the thing and do they have the offense to get them there uh, people like the Emmanuel Sanders pickup I don't know um I'm, I'm iffy on it um uh, it, but they, but I will say this: they are seven and zero, and that's the most important thing. Do they drop one at some point? Drop one or two at some point in the season? Possibly. I don't think they finish this season undefeated. I don't think the Patriots finish this season undefeated. Um, but uh, do they have an Achilles heel necessarily with that with that wide receiver crew? I don't think it's 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 made itself relevant yet. And uh, since they're seven and zero, and until they lose. I'm just going to say it's not. Uh, on, on, when I think about it some more, I talked about it last week. But until I see them lose, it's just it's just a part of their team. All right, y'all. I'm going to call it a wrap for this section here. I'm going to take another quick break. And when we come back, I will be talking some NBA from last night. And, of course, I have a story to talk about. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about some Kyrie Irving. Let's, let's just talk about it. All right, y'all. I will be right back. All right, y'all, I'm back. I'm going to wrap this up for today. Of course, we have some NBA news and scores to go over real quick. And the biggest news is coming out of Brooklyn. And apparently Kyrie has issues. Uh, a recent article released by ESPN's Jackie McMullen describes concerns in Brooklyn's front office regarding his mood swings. Uh, this, is, uh, this is an excerpt from the article. When Irving lapses into funks, he often shuts down unwilling to communicate with the coaching staff, front office, and sometimes even his teammates. I mean, that's different, but do people, I thought people already kind of did that. Isn't everybody like a human? I would be imagining that he is not the first to, to, to get into these, these uh, what you would call mood swings. I, I, uh, the more I think about it, I feel like, is it an issue? Is it not an issue? Uh, why is this even necessarily, you know, being talked about in the media? This is why I, the reason why I'm talking about it is because I feel like the media is somehow feeling like this is a news story, and I, I don't necessarily get it. Now, McMullen would also write a similar article uh, in May referring to Kyrie's emotional states with the uh, Celtics and their effect on the teammates there in Boston. Uh, this is an excerpt from this one. Celtics players concede that earlier in the season, Irving's mood swings often left him treading lightly in the locker room. Coach Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge addressed it with their best player, and he promised to be more aware. Hmm. Okay, I mean, again, I guess there, at least in Boston, there was, I mean, a period in which certain players felt this type of way. I think I did uh, remember hearing a um, 
interview in which what's his name Terry Rozier, current guard of the uh, Hornets, uh, said something kind of kind of to that degree. But I mean, I, there's a lot of people that go through emotional states or we're not willing to mess with you. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Terry Rozier has had days like that. So um, I think because it's Kyrie and he has all that, you know, that all that energy swarmed around him because again he wanted to strike out on his own and apparently be the head honcho i think the media and i guess his teammates and people around him at least basketball people around him are saying well here's your opportunity to be the man of the team here's your opportunity to lead the team and you know i get it you know being to yourself and not really wanting to talk to nobody including your teammates might come off as a little weird, a little bit off, but again, he's averaging 38 points this season, six assists, and six rebounds a game. So, and I mean, of course, we're just relatively early in the season, but again, he's performing at a high level. Why can't y'all perform at a high level still? I think people are human, and we're gonna have to go. We people have to realize that people go through whatever mood swing people want to put on it. Uh, is he lashing out necessarily? I don't see that. Is he becoming disgruntled? No, he's just keeping to himself and working on his craft, which obviously he's putting up 38 points. Um, he's six, he has six assists and six rebounds, so he's obviously doing his job. Um, he, he doesn't have to get along with everybody, and neither did MJ. And I mean, again, on on you know in the in the in the hindsight, people bring up these stories about Jordan now, but. I mean, it wasn't like they were. It was those were big enough issues for somebody to say, "Well, it's not worth me staying here to get the championship." So, um, you, you know, especially at the time, it wasn't like it wasn't like Scotty Pippen was like, "Oh man, I gotta get out of here." Jordan is is a crazy dude. Nah, he stayed, and for the most for the most part, Rock Cartwright did as long as he could get his little his little fifteen seconds of fame with his little title. So, um, same thing with Kyrie. I mean, people. Uh, are people feel as though that this Brooklyn team, especially when uh, Kevin Durant comes back, that they could possibly be a title team? Um, they're willing to go through that. I mean, if it means you know he might not talk to them every day, uh, and and uh, he's a human, and I think humans should be allowed to go through their human experience. If he doesn't feel like talking all day long or whatever, or 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 being you know accessible, it doesn't have to be. People don't have to be accessible to people all the time. What is up with this? People have to be talking and all in my face and all in your face all day. I don't need people in my face all day. Talk about what? We don't need to talk about. It. Just keep it pushing. You have your life. I have my life. What is all this? Oh, somebody gotta be all in my. In, in, we gotta be all accessible to everybody under twenty four seven. No, that's what social media has done to people. You don't need to be all up in people's business. You don't need to be all. Well, why are you feeling that way? Kyrie want to play better. He wants to win a championship. That's what his mindset is at. Don't be bothering him. And when he feels like coming coming around he'll he'll speak up and he'll do so he's averaging 38 points get off the man back dude what do y'all want man uh let's move on to the scores 
Uh, last night, the Heat were able to get it done against the Hawks, 112-97. The Heat move up to 3-1 and one on the year. The Hawks are now 2-2. Two and two. For the Hawks in this game, they were led by John Collins. He was a leading scorer uh, between both teams with 30 points. He also had 7 uh, rebounds and also 4 assists. And forward, Jabari Parker will get 12 points, 2 assists, and 2 rebounds off the bench. For the Heat, their leading scorer was Tyler Hero. He had 29 points and 7 rebounds and 2 assists coming off the bench. I believe that was his uh, some of his first action of the season as a rookie. Up next, you have Jimmy Butler getting 21 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 assists. And also guard Goran Dragic will go on and get 21 points as well, 3 rebounds, and also 3 assists off the bench. Up next, we got the Mavericks getting it done by three against the Nuggets. 109 to 106 was the final score here. Both teams now sit at three and one in the Western Conference. For the Mavericks, they were led by Tim Hardaway Jr. He had 14 points, three rebounds, and two assists off the bench. Forward Maxi Kleber would have four points and seven assists, and Luka Doncic would have 12 points, five assists and also four rebounds. For the Nuggets, their leading scorer was Paul Millsap, who had 23 points, eight rebounds, uh, and eight rebounds. And also uh, the two guards, Greg Harris and Jamal Murray, would both get 16 points, with Harris getting five rebounds and four assists, and Jamal Murray uh, getting six rebounds to help out with that. Uh, we have the, and finally, we have the Lakers blowing out the Grizzlies 120 to 91. The Lakers are now three and one this year, and also the uh, the Grizzlies moved down to one and three. For the Grizzlies, they got a they got a pretty decent game from Ja Morant. He had 16 points, three rebounds, and also two assists. And center Jonas Valanciunas had 14 points, 11 rebounds, and four assists. For the Lakers, uh, Anthony Davis gets him a double double with 40 points, 20 rebounds, and also two assists. And LeBron will do his thing as well with 23 points, 8 rebounds, and 2 assists. Alright, y'all, I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Uh, my next episode will be a Word on the Street segment, of course. I'll be updating you guys on what's going on in Washington. I also will be updating you guys on the wildfires out here in California. It's pretty deep, just like it was last year. Uh, they're burning in Northern California. They're burning in Southern California. The state is on fire. I'm going to update you guys on that. And, um, yes, yeah, so far, that's all I can think of right now. Um, I'm also going to be, uh, oh, yeah, and I also have, like, a brief history of Halloween, too. Why not? Halloween is my favorite holiday of the year. This is one of my favorite times of the year uh, next to summertime and my birthday. Um, yeah, I'm not a Christmas person. I'm not. I'm no longer. Yeah, working retail has made me no longer a holiday person. So don't don't talk to me about Christmas. Merry Christmas, my ass. I'm officially screwed. So this is my this is my favorite time of the year because this is the last time of the year I feel like I have any type of fun. I can go do something. I'm stuck <laughs> during the holiday. I don't care about no goddamn holidays. Bye, humbug. Anyways, y'all, if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com. That is eljbutler75 at gmail.com. Once again, that is ljbutler75 at gmail.com. Eljbutler75 at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook page and a Instagram as well. You can uh, look me up there at ljamahjani. That is E-L-J-A-M-A-H. A-D-J-A-N-I. Once again, that is E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I. I also have a Facebook page for the show as well at Never Out of Bounds. You can look me up there as well. Once again, that is Never Out of Bounds. Uh, look me up there as well. All right, y'all. I'm calling it a wrap for today. Um, 
yeah it's been good and i will see y'all tomorrow all right if anybody hasn't told you yet i love you peace out one love and i will holla at y'all later